0: What's up, everybody? It's Matthew Newman, a.k.a. Mr. Catch on Fire and the I Just Want to Record podcast. Come kick back and enjoy conversations with folks about the complex and yes, (laughs) sometimes mundane intricacies of life, all meant to inspire you. Crystal Whitaker, so good to have you here on the I Just Want to Record podcast. Folks got to know who you are and they should know who you are. So who are you?
1: i well, i'm not gonna lead with what i do for work okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to get out of that i am very much like a loving free-spirited human being a little bit of a hippie flower child if you will uh, a little bit woo-woo <laughs> uh, i am a daughter a friend a partner and then, you know, I think about my identity and what, what makes me the free-spirited, loving, hippie, woo-woo person that I am. And yeah. it's just kind of the way that I've had to move through the world as a queer, black, biracial woman, yeah. you know, mixed with black and white. I've had a lot of unique experiences in my life that make me who I am. And then the work stuff, the last bit. And I'm an author now, which is really exciting. Whoop, whoop.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> for those watching, y'all can see the book that's on the table. We're going to dive into that a little bit today. But yes.
1: <laughs> it's, just, it's really exciting for me to be able to say that. My inner eight-year-old is just gleeing with excitement over that. And I am also a business owner like you. I like helping people and my business is centered around inclusivity. Yep. So I practice as an inclusive branding and leadership development consultant with a focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging.
0: That's so good. So I have a question about the Lily, because of course, Crystal Lily. Uh-huh. One thing we didn't share at the beginning, since Corey's here in the room with us, is that you too are a photographer. Mm. And one of, and you've done several things for me, fraternity shoots, sorority shoots, and some other things I can't even remember. Some events, I believe. But one thing I've always seen since I first have known you was Crystal Lily. Why is the Lily attached? I know this is impromptu, but why is the Lily attached to the name?
1: Have we actually talked about this? We have not, Oh, okay. No. So this is always like a cute thing to share. I used to have a dog, a little yappy chihuahua named okay. Lily. Okay. And when I originally started my photography business back in 2016, I was going to go with Crystal Nicole. My middle name is Nicole. Crystal Nicole Photography. And I did a Google search and there was already a photographer at the time that was branded as Crystal Nicole Photography in the wedding industry, which is where I was going. And I was like, well, we don't want to confuse people. (laughs) And it was late at night. And at the time I was actually visiting my mom and I happened to look down and Lily was in her bed Hmm. snoring away with her little doggy gremlin snore.
0: That's hilarious.
1: And I thought, Crystal Lily... Kind of has a nice ring to it, yeah. And she, I mean, I had had her for thirteen years, and she was always with me. There wasn't a crystal without Lily, and I thought, oh, it'd be so cute to have my dog and my branding.
0: That is really dope. Yes. There, there's no crystal without the lily.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it just it it stuck, and I yeah. a lot of people told me, oh, it sounds really pretty. You know, what does it mean? I'm like, it's me and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but pet lovers love it so.
0: of course they do once they know the story mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah and she's unfortunately no longer with me but her name like my dog has a legacy in a business which i think is really cute
0: look like, <laughs> does a dog does it have an estate does it continue to get royalties
1: no i didn't really say it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things you know i mean i opted out of parenthood mm-hmm. i was a dog mom and she was my baby so you know
0: it's just and a it's little st- cute business story. And it's still living. Yeah. It's still living. So and are you originally from L.A.? I like to tell
1: people that I am. <laughs> I feel very much at home in L.A. I always have. I've been here for 11 years, but I originally grew up in Florida. I spent the first 25 years of my life there before coming here.
0: Yeah. So what makes what makes L.A. feel like home?
1: You know, home is home isn't a place. It is a feeling. And I think for me, it boils down to acceptance and the ability to be all of me without any fear of judgment or, you know, what are people going to think when you grow up in a place and especially a place that's so different from LA where, where I, the places that I was in in Florida, the people are different. The culture is different. Mindsets are different. The communities are different. And I, didn't know this at the time when I was, you know, growing up and coming into adulthood, mm-hmm. living in Florida. Mm-hmm. But after I moved to L.A. and just felt this openness of possibility, I could do whatever I wanted. You know, most people come to L.A. to do whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, it it was in that that I realized how much I was segmenting off parts of myself because I didn't feel like I could really be me. Hmm. You know, I didn't really feel that true, genuine sense of belonging that just seems automatic here.
0: Trying not to skip ahead. That's okay. And the reason why is because I was sharing with you this path that Jasmine has a focus on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but this path that she has a focus on, But in a conversation that came up the other day was DEI, kind of her, idea of what DEI is and what our focus is on DEI. And one of the questions that popped up was the difference between inclusiveness and belonging. Mm -hmm. And you just used the word belonging. Like it's a place, LA is a place where you feel as though you belong. Before we get to the the core of this conversation, can you talk about the difference between being inclusive and the difference between belonging?
1: We might be here for a minute
0: okay okay we got well, a lot time
1: well also the the like merriam-webster the loose definition that I, that I can recall the way that they have it defined is the practice or policy of creating opportunities for groups or people that might not otherwise have access or that would mm-hmm. you know otherwise be marginalized mm-hmm. right and then there's my perspective of inclusion and when i think about inclusion it is when people are able to be welcome heard and understood because diversity, it gives people a seat at the table. It is a start. Representation gives them a voice. So they are able to speak. They're able to be heard. And then inclusion is, it's all encompassing. It creates space for people to be welcome, seen, heard, and understood. Mm. And that is what fills into the belonging cup, if you will. You know, when I am in a space, I feel this with you. Every time we have conversations, it's just this energy, right? Where I can tell you pretty much anything. Yeah. And I don't feel any resistance or tension or judgment. Mm -hmm. And it's that, that thing of just the wholeness, that is belonging, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. what like belonging is
0: That's good. That's good. I've had this conversation with a fraternity brother of mine as well. As chaplain of the region, one of the questions that he asked was, what is your plan to ensure that everyone feels as though they belong, regardless of what religion they prescribe to? Mm -hmm. And it was to me, I think you and I've had this conversation. It's about, for me, it's not about going and preaching what I prescribe to or or ascribe to, Mm -hmm. but it's more of how do I find the principles within that are applied to everybody? So regardless of what your belief or your persuasion is, there are principles that still apply. Mm -hmm. Regardless of do you, if you're subscribed to the Bible or not, there's some good principles in there that we should abide by. So that's my duty is to find those that apply to all. Mm -hmm. So to your point is, Oh man, I'm trying not to get ahead. Let me go into it. Here's why. Dive in. (laughs) There's something that you brought up, and I screenshotted this in reflection to today, and one of, or in reflection for today. And the message was in a newsletter that you sent out, or newsletter, or an email blast, or I don't know what you call what you send out.
1: Yeah, it's it's a newsletter. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you said something that I've always kind of, turn my nose up to in a bad way. But anyways, it says one of the most common things I'm met with when I tell people about my work as an inclusive branding and leadership development consultant is some variation of quote, inclusion in branding and business is a hot topic right now. And while that's true, there are a few things I really want people to know before they dive into trying to incorporate diversity through messaging and visuals. The truth about creating inclusive content is that lasting change starts with disruption. It's necessary to disrupt everything that's been familiar and comfortable to examine what needs to shift in order to honor efforts to be inclusive. It's not enough to state Black Lives Matter or love is love alongside images of diverse groups of people or hiring diverse team members. Genuine inclusion is a continuous practice that demonstrated through words, actions and behaviors. Can you walk us through your thought process with that?
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's pretty well spelled out there, but often, and we, we really saw a lot of this in 2020, you and I have talked about yeah. it, where there was this rush to appear yeah. as though, you know, people were inclusive, you know, want to be, you know, this, we're anti-racist and all of that. There was this mad rush yeah. of people doing the performative hmm. work but not doing the inner work, mm. the behind the scenes work. It is one thing to post Black Lives Matter or say love is love, put up a black square, which, you know, we all have feelings about yeah. Yes. But it's something else entirely to think about your motivation behind it. Why are you doing it and stopping there mm. rather than going further? Versus if you are a person who is, doing the visual stuff and doing the things behind it. I want to talk to those people. What is your motivation behind doing that? You know, what's really at your core. Mm -hmm. And this is a lot of work that I do with my clients. We get into those, you know, core values, core beliefs, Mm -hmm. and what drives you to want to create this sense that you're an inclusive leader, an inclusive business owner, Mm -hmm. because if you're doing it just for the sake of your bottom line, or just because it is trending yeah. and, you know, you need to appear inclusive because that's the way that business is evolving. Mm-hmm. That's, you're not doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You need to really genuinely care about people and humanity and their experiences and really want to create environments where they feel that sense of belonging, where yeah. there is that, that room for wholeness.
0: Yeah, I've seen this happen in media. And it often happens around various holidays or super bowl or some big monumental moment mm-hmm. in media if i will and one of the things i often and people know me when i say this but you can you very seldomly you will see a blackity black couple <laughs> it's always the light-skinned guy with curly hair with another light-skinned woman with an afro mm-hmm. or natural hair mm-hmm. or you'll see a Black man with curly hair and a white woman Mm -hmm. and a dog and a little child who doesn't look like the child belongs to the two could be adopted, which is fine. Right. But you would often see to a white couple that's white, white couple. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by white is like they're certainly Caucasian Mm -hmm. with a child who looks like them, the dog and the house. And for me, one thing comment that my cousin said one day, he said, it's almost as though. They, meaning the the brand or the TV, whoever they're saying, they're saying that you can be here as long as we're here. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I hope I'm being very clear with that. That's always distracted me. Mm-hmm. And it's in the reason why is because I've always wanted to ask your point. is like, what is your intent behind this? Like, what are you looking to communicate? Are you looking to communicate that you are an inclusive brand that now you're welcomed? Like now we get it. Mm-hmm. We get that there should be greater representation of others like, what is that intent? We don't have to go into that. I just wanted to share that. Like, that's has always been my like a very a big pet peeve of mine. Yeah, of seeing the mix versus not seeing us fully.
1: Oh, I feel that a hundred percent. I talk about this with mentees that I'm that I coach, and that that further perpetuates colorism. You know, even though colorism is something that exists within Black and Brown communities, when companies are doing it, and you know, ad agencies, and you're seeing it in marketing campaigns. That is just a further perpetuation of colorism, which we don't have to, I mean, yeah. we could get into the roots of colorism, yeah. but, but that's what that is when I see it.
0: Mm. Just like we talked about with Ben last week, conversation got so good, we went to part two and we have to finish it because of time, etc. And so I, I, maybe we should dive into some of the intricacies, which is the point of the podcast, like those intricacies of life. Like if it's colorism, if it's microaggressions, like whatever, we should probably have like segments on each of those.
1: Ooh, we could totally do that. So we can do a whole thing right now of just the general overview and then, I don't know, poll the audience. What do you want to hear more about?
0: Yes, I love that because we don't hear enough about it. We hear it. Also, this is another crazy conversation that we don't have to go into now, but you and I talked about this often on the yellow chairs. I wish to call those the yellow chairs outside. But when you've come by and you just have those conversations, we sip and drink, water, coffee, whatever. And we just talk. One of the things that we've often talked about and people know this and they've heard this is that I don't think I need DEI training because I'm black. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. So that's another piece that we can dive into to help those who are like me, who I was very shut off. I would give you this praise all the time. It wasn't until I met you sometime in the pandemic that I was on one of your training calls and I heard the power of being inclusive on event registration.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Like those little bitty things that we don't think about, think that we need because we're a part of the community. No, it's like we need that.
1: Yeah. And to take that point further. So my framework, the aligned values framework that the book is rooted in has been used by a professor at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. It's in it's it's they're wrapping up their third semester now of students. And so I get Throughout the semester, she shares anonymous student feedback with me. And one of the things that has come up over and over with that framework being used is you can always tell when it's a student that has a marginalized identity because of the way that they share their perspective and their feedback And the benefits of DEIB for people in marginalized communities, because it can also give language and understanding around things that they have experienced but weren't ever able to name before. And even, you know, ways to work through things when we ourselves are experiencing harm or situations where it's like, oh, this doesn't quite feel right. But what do I do? What do I say? How do I advocate for myself or this other person? So that's also the flip side of the benefits of DEIB work for people in marginalized communities too. Mm.
0: Talks about language. Mm. And I want to get to that point in a chapter in your book that we didn't explore at the bookstore Mm -hmm. on your book release.
1: The Salt Eaters, shout
0: out. The Salt Eaters, yes. Salt Eaters, shout out to you all. And I made a post about your book release and they liked it and commented. So that was cool. So shout out to, to them as well. Let's go into your book. Okay. It's entitled Brave Leadership is a Choice. An Inclusive Guide to Creating Belonging. So for those who are watching, you can't see it, but we'll share with you where you can find the book, et cetera, at the end of this episode. But those who are watching, this is the lovely cover of the book. And so one of the, the pieces that I would like to ask you, Crystal, you spoke about the professor at Berkeley College of Music, Berkeley College of Music. But why did you choose the title of Brave Leadership is a Choice instead of using the name around the framework, the Aligned Values Framework?
1: I wish I had a really good strategic answer for you. I I think I wanted the book itself to be something that could stand alone Mm -hmm. and stand on its own. And when I was writing it, I was thinking about how I not only show up in environments, but the types of environments that I want to create and the types of containers that I create for my clients or when I'm doing classes and facilitating. And... I took a training, a trauma-informed training for space holders by a woman named Katie Kurtz in 2020, because I think that it's not only important to create businesses that are human focused, but also trauma-informed. And one of the biggest takeaways that I got from Katie, and I even reference her in the book, is that it's not enough to create safe space. Mm. Like we can't just assume safety for people because what safe for me might not be the same thing that feels safe for you and vice versa so she frames it as we need to create brave spaces where we can model how we're showing up in our wholeness to create that sense of belonging and and when we model that for others ideally it makes them feel safe enough and brave enough to open up and be their whole selves so that they can tap into their own internal sense of belonging and we can co-create together. Mm -hmm. And knowing that my framework and the way that I work is intended for leaders, I thought about this concept of, okay, well, what would it mean to have people consider being brave leaders, like the brave leadership and it being a choice? Because we all have a choice in how we show up. No matter what we're dealing with, how hard things can be, as long as we are operating from a mindful perspective and giving ourselves space to pause, even if it is for a few seconds, it's always a choice. And when you're doing inclusive work, it is a brave act, especially if you are in an organization or you're in a space where you are literally disrupting something that has been the status quo for so long. So I want it, I guess I just really wanted it to stand out to people. And I mean, if you saw a book on the shelf that said the aligned values framework, would you buy it? Or would you yeah. buy the book that says brave leadership is a yeah, choice?
0: For sure. <laughs> for sure. The latter for me, for sure. Yeah. And especially if the aligned framework is the line values framework is a, even a workbook type.
1: Well, it is a workbook. I, it's a workbook that I use separately with my coaching and consulting. And it's called Aligned Values, a guided workbook for inclusive leaders.
0: It reminds me of Brene Brown. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead and how even as an agency, my staffing agency in 2019, we read Dare to Lead as a group every Monday during our meetings. Well, they were responsible for reading it prior to, but doing the workbook, for the Monday meeting and we'll walk in and discuss it or we'll come in to discuss it. Mm-hmm. And for us, we needed it because of vulnerability. I didn't feel as though we were being vulnerable as a team. So we had to unplug that. There were some norms that we were needed to establish in order to to continue doing good work together. Two Black folks and two white folks in, in the room, it was a lot of different dynamics. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks being called aggressive and all of that. So we had to kind of unplug and help realize some of the stigmas that are, that's tied to that, yeah. So that's what brave leadership as a choice reminds me of, especially attaching the aligned values framework to it. I opened it with this quote. It was from former President Barack Obama, and is this on page eleven of your book? It says, "Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change we seek." I want to go through this also to the language section and kind of tie these two points in because this is an opening quote regarding inclusive communication, but you quoted Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. And the quote is, we can use words to uplift and include. We can use our words to fight back against oppression and hate, but we must also channel our words into action. So two phenomenal political figures who you quoted in your book that to me reflect a choice that we must make in order to enact a change. And so the question that I have for you is this, is as you were in pursuit of writing this book, or as you were writing this book is what clicked for you? Like, what was that one thing that clicked for you in saying that now it's my time to put forth a message and help people to truly understand what inclusion really is? What was that one thing that clicked for you?
1: I can't say that it was one single thing. Hmm. It was a culmination of little things, building blocks, it started with you. I've told, I've told you this before, you know, you gave me the first virtual platform to share my perspective on inclusive business practices. You probably, I don't know if I've told you this, but even doing that class, I remember being so nervous because talk about vulnerability. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: like,
1: like, who am I to tell people yeah. how to run their businesses? Yeah. You know. Yeah and that was the first i think real solid building block mm. that let me know it was possible to kind of influence people
0: yeah
1: and if i'm going to have a platform if i'm going to have the opportunity of influence i want it to be something that matters and supports good of the collective mm-hmm. or humanity in general. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, yes. right? Just like human rights. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what this work boils down to. Yeah. And I think over the course of, you know, 2020 into 2021, I, I launched a program. I, st- I was coaching and mentoring so many business owners and it felt so natural to me. Mm-hmm. It felt so aligned and this feels like the most right thing that I've yeah. ever done. Yeah. And I also always wanted to write a book. People kept asking me, oh, you should write, you, are you going to write a book? You should write a book. So it was those two things If you know, my my inner eight-year-old child, which I didn't know I'd be writing this kind of a book. Right. <laughs> 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 but it was that coupled with people asking and just recognizing that there was a want for it. Mm and that i could make my framework more accessible because i mean you know just as well as anybody else when you're when you're working one on one with a coach or a consultant there is an investment yes not just financial but time yeah you know and some people just they prefer to have access to resources that they can kind of absorb and go at their own pace mm. and i wanted to be able to give my framework in multiple ways for people to digest it, whether they like to read, whether you like audiobooks, if you like an online course, if you like one on one individual coaching group programs, like there's so many different ways to absorb it. And this just adds to that bucket.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you see that you've. Do you recognize your own growth oh. in this pursuit?
1: I don't see how anybody doing this kind of work couldn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I also rec- I've, you know, you say growth, but in in that also learning to be humble and recognize your shortcomings and where you need to grow. I have a really good friend, E. Mackey, who, you know, he talks fairly frequently about the fact that, you know, people think growth is just, oh, growth, it's so beautiful. They don't see what happens during the growth. He talks about that all the time. He's like, growth is messy and uncomfortable and hard.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's never easy. I often think about growth of a plant. Right. And how much plants get beat up while they're growing. Whether it's just beat up by the rain that's falling, beat up by the trash that's blowing over the, the flower bed, beat up by other weeds or weeds coming in to try to strangle the root, like all the 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 messy, ugly elements of growth. But yet and still when it when it blossoms, mm-hmm. it becomes something like a a wonder to the eye once it blossoms. And it's you, you said something that is kind of in my spirit today, and you were questioning whether or not like, who am I to tell somebody else how to run their business? And it's oftentimes for me is it's knowing that there are shortcomings in my life, things that I have to give my grace self for, but it's something about our voice, right? And to me, I want this to make sense for those watching and listening later. And for us for us now is that we have to make sense of our, yes, our own shortcomings, but give ourselves enough grace To believe that there's still someone, despite what it is we've done or do or how incapable or capable we think we are, there's someone that needs our voice. There's someone that needs what we have to say, what we're setting out to do. Someone needs that element of of us, no matter what's behind the layer of us. And that's the real thing for me is, and again, that's something in my spirit today as I kind of prepare for this next engagement after this, it's like not in the mindset to do it at all. But knowing that once I step up there to do it, somebody has to be delivered, set free because of what it is I have to say. And I encourage you and also applaud you for setting out to do it. Though it's not what your inner eight-year-old self would have done, you've brought forth a greater eight-year-old self, someone who's evolved way past those years, of course, not only by age and years or by years and age, but just in mental growth. Awareness of what it is that's important, especially in the time that we're living in.
1: I just want to say yeah. thank you. I I really received that. Thank you.
0: Yes, of course, of course. And we already know. I think for those who are going to be strangers watching and listening, those some of us them who, who would know us personally, either together or individually, is those words mean a lot. I still stand it all when you say I give you the first virtual platform. Every time I hear that, I'm just like, that's crazy, because I remember the time we were in. Yeah. You know what I mean? When that meant everything to us, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who gave me a great platform and I'm still indebted to them because it was such a, a time when I was in the corner crying, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I just needed that space, not only the safe space, but the space where I was brave enough to show up.
1: Yeah. Oh, And you talk about being in the corner crying, being brave enough. Do you even, I'm, I'm so happy to share this because for anyone tuning in, if you are wondering whether or not you should do the thing, mm. do the damn thing. yeah because yes, I remember calling you when I was launching the first iteration of my coaching program in tears because I was well you talk about like backing so like what what am I doing? who Who am I to be doing this? Yeah. And my biggest concern and question was, am I pandering and whitewashing my content? Mm because I didn't want to upset the the black community that I had cultivated, you know, like after growing up in predominantly white heteronormative communities, having built a business where I finally felt the sense of belonging in myself and then realizing I'm about to do work that is predominantly intended for non-black, non-marginalized people. Am I pandering? Does this, and I, do you remember that conversation? Oh, of
0: course I do. Yes. And, and and
1: even that, like me making that phone call, I'm like, is he going to think that I am just like, what is he going to think?
0: <laughs> I was leaving here on the way home and we finished the conversation in the garage. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. I was sitting or sitting in the car on the phone.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, and I'm still, I'm still so grateful for that conversation because you were like, no, launch the program.
0: <laughs> you got to, you got to. And it's, it's a, uh, <sighs> The Apostle Paul in biblical scripture says, every time I desire to do good, the bad is always present. And my pastor in San Antonio, shout out to Bishop Rick Hawkins said this, who is a white man who sounded like he black from Louisiana. Love Bishop Rick Hawkins and his entire family. But one of the things that he said all the time is, yes, that's the battle of dual nature. Mm. And we look at it as like good and evil, like angels, the devil, right? On our shoulders. But it's, it's the constant pull. It's the constant pull of, am I, I know that I'm doing what's right, but the other side of me says, probably not now mm-hmm. or not at all.
1: Mm-hmm. The inner, I had a business coach, uh, J.R. Rappo Creative, she called it the inner saboteur and she had me name it.
0: Mm. See, it's, it, that's why I love this. And this is why we talked about, I think we were saying, I don't know if we said this while it was recording or not, but this aspect of belonging. I don't think, I don't know if you said that while I was recording, but regardless of finding those principles and that principle of dual nature is a biblical scripture, but it's still the principle of it mm-hmm. that applies to all. To me, that's the beautiful part of conversation. Even I'm going left now, but people like this, like, Oh, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I don't have to beat anybody. Yeah. Just find something that relates to us all. Like it's the beautiful thing.
1: Uh, for sure. And there's also, you know, having the capacity to, reframe things for yourself Mm. I mean you know I'm not a religious person Mm. but I hang on every word you say and in my mind you know I'll reframe things like I hear you say what is it you're saying principles Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh that's values Mm. you know yes you know when I hear people say God I'm like that's the universe it's where it's all the same thing it's just how we form language around it and how we experience it for ourselves in our own belief system right
0: Uh, all right so many questions (laughs) we've gone way (laughs) off So many questions that we didn't even even get to. But there's one question that I'll leave as we bravely go into part two, three, four, and wherever this leads us. But the question before the final question I ask everybody is, what do you hope people take away from this book? Hopefully this conversation stirs something up in someone's inner being that says, I need to read the book one because she's dope. But I also need to read the book because maybe there's something inside of me that I need to learn from this book. So what is your one hope that people take away? Like, what is that one takeaway?
1: My biggest hope is that people, if they're not already doing it, really find what they need to tap into self-connection and self-reflection to understand what they need in order to create a sense of belonging from within themselves, because you, you can't create true belonging for other people Mm. unless you really understand how to do it for yourself. Mm. Because when you are able to self reflect and and connect with yourself in a way that allows you to do that without judging yourself, then you can connect with others and be in conversations and be open in a way that you're not going to be judging them either. Mm like really really get to know yourself that's one of the things that i find even even when i'm doing sessions with clients sometimes but by the time we're done with our work they're like wow i didn't realize how much of a benefit getting rooted in something as seemingly simple as core values Mm -hmm. and being able to connect and reflect through them would make such a difference in Mm -hmm. the way i show up in the world
0: that's incredible that's incredible even within your the people that you've coached, you continue to coach. What do you find to be your greatest contribution to society?
1: Yeah, I said this before. Like, how do I how do I say this without sounding really arrogant?
0: <laughs> Just be arrogant. If that's what it takes.
1: <laughs> I you know I will take what I consistently hear from people, okay. which is that I inspire them. People tell me all the time. The way that I'm able to connect with them and hold space and even communicate through my own messaging is that it's really inspiring. And I think that if you can inspire people with a message or a movement, then that's where change begins to take hold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crystal, thank you so much for being on the I Just Want to Record podcast. Will you tell the folks your social handles, website, how do they find you?
1: So the easiest way to find me, go to my website, crystallily.co C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-I-L-Y.co. And then uh, social handles are linked on the website. I don't want to overload people with information. I know you'll put it in the show notes and stuff too. Yes. But yeah, the website is the best place to go and everything is there.
0: Perfect, including the book.
1: Including so the book.
0: for anybody who's watching and listening, you all have to go pick up a copy. Brave Leadership is a Choice, An Inclusive Guide to Creating Belonging. I have been completely honored to have Crystal Whitaker on the I Just Want to Record podcast today, and we will be looking forward to part two, part three, and dot, dot, dot.
1: For real, for real. I feel like we should also have a conversation with me, you, and Ben. Let's
0: do it. Oh, let's do it. That would be dope. I got the the next microphone in that box over there that's coming out. So that would be three mics. We'll be in this room conversating. That would be dope. Let's plan for that. I'm going to text him once we get out of here. I'm going to text him that. Signing off, y'all. Crystal Whitaker, Brave Leadership is a Choice. Go pick up the book. This is Matthew Newman with the I Just Want to Record podcast. Thank you for joining us on the I Just Want to Record podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow so that we can inspire more people just like you. Until next time, I'm Matthew Newman, a.k.a. Mr. Catch on Fire, signing off.